my panel discussion about the Covington High School students. Mr. Reagan. All right, so as I mentioned in my previous video, Karen Strawn reached out to me this year and asked me if I would come speak at the International Conference on Men's Issues. This was a phenomenal experience. Um, I got to hang out with some awesome people. Sargon of Akkad, Carl Benjamin, who I'd met previously, Marcus Meacham, Count Dankula, who I'd never met, but he's an awesome dude. Karen Strawn, who I'd known a little bit online, but I got to meet her in person. These people are awesome people. They're some of my favorite people in the world right now. Just very, very cool folks. And I was lucky enough to get on, on one of these panels where we all kind of talked about some of the stuff that's going on in the world today. Specifically, we were talking about the Covington incident, but other stuff as well. I got into a little bit of spat with one of the guys here. Uh, nothing too contentious. It's a little bit of fun. One thing I have to say is the conference was set in Chicago, and it was a very cool city. It's much more interesting, much more beautiful than you would have imagined. In fact, my girlfriend, as we were traveling around Chicago was like, we should move here. I mean, that's how much we liked it. I have a friend who lives there, my friend Svetlana, and she drove us around. She was a great host, and uh, we, we traveled a lot on our own. We did a lot of walking. I think we had 20,000 steps one day just from walking around the city, and yeah, it was great fun. It was a good, it was a, it's a good city, Chicago. It's better than I would have expected. Now, they're doing another international conference on men's issues next year, 2020, obviously, um, and that is going to be in Australia. So I highly, highly, highly recommend looking into it at some point this year. I'm sure I'll mention it again on my channel in the future, but get your tickets for those. This is a great event. I mean, pretty much all of us were just hanging out with the, the people who had come to, to see the event, you know, fans of the YouTube channels or people who were very passionate about men's issues who had come to this event for that reason. And it was just great to see a bunch of people who were very different personality types from very different life experiences coming together and recognizing rational ideas and recognizing irrational ideas and just talking through these various things intelligently. I mean, it was amazing, man. You you saw, there was one moment in particular, Carl, Carl's probably gonna get pissed at me for saying this, but there was a guy, he's a kind of a quiet guy, right? Because some of the guys who go to the International Conference on Men's Issues, they're the kind of men that need some kind of support from a group like this, as you might imagine. One of these guys was a real quiet guy, and we're in a big group. It's me and uh, Carl Benjamin, Sargon of Akkad, and just a, a bunch of people who are like fans of our YouTube channels. And some of these guys are very alpha, right? They're really aggressive. They're getting their ideas out there. They're interrupting people, and, and you know, it was great. We had a lot of fun. Everybody was interrupting everybody, and it was... <laughs> people were getting great ideas out, and uh, we are just having a good old time. And there's one guy, he just didn't speak the whole time, right? Maybe for like 20 minutes, we're speaking, and, and he doesn't say anything. So finally, Carl says, you, what's your name? Tell us about you. And so he kind of separated everybody out and just gave this, this guy uh, an opportunity to speak that he would not have taken on his own. And it had occurred to me to do the same thing, but I would not have expected Sargon of Akkad to have uh, silenced everybody in that moment and got this guy, uh, you know, his time to just chat with the group and and uh, and talk. So I was very impressed with that. So I don't know how many of you guys watch Sargon of Akkad's channel. You know, he's a really big YouTuber, so I assume most of you know who he is. But just so you know, he's not just a cool YouTuber. He is a good man. He's got a good heart. Uh, you guys should all know it. Marcus Meacham, Count Dankula, on the other hand, total a-hole. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's he's actually awesome as well. I was uh, we hung out here in L.A. We smoked some cigars and and had some scotch and uh, and had a great night here. Uh, just us and, and a bunch of other guys uh, out here in L.A. So uh, yeah, uh, Marcus Meacham also an awesome dude. Karen Strawn, super sweet. Every time she introduced us, she introduced us in some way. Um, sort of ironic description that would be maybe like something like how the left would describe us, right? So we were all fascists, we were all Nazis, this kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> it was great fun. I mean, she's hilarious. Everybody there was very funny, very smart, very cool. Um, just a really, really cool group of people. I highly recommend going to the one next year in Australia. I'll definitely be trying to go if I'm at all invited or welcome. <laughs> I may not be. I don't know why, but you know, sometimes these things happen. All right, now before I show the video, I'm going to have to inundate you with an ad. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I think we should talk about numismatics. Are you a numismatist? You should be. It sounds like something Harry Potter was into, but it isn't. Or maybe it is. I have no idea. I didn't read the books. Numismatists are coin collectors, and coins are cool. Did you know that every year the U.S. Mint releases new coins into its America the Beautiful 5-ounce coin series? This has been running since 2010, and they cover the kinds of things that make America great, like our national parks and landmarks. Check out the beauty and size of this coin. All right, they make me say beauty and size. What I'd like to say is, holy crap, that is awesome. I mean, it's, it's freaking... It's really, really big. It's enormous and it's very cool. This year, the Mint has chosen to celebrate Lowell and the fight of the Mill Girls. War in the Pacific National Historical Park, War in the Pacific, the San Antonio Missions, and the River of No Return, the Salmon Valley Wilderness Park. These slices of American history and heritage are difficult to get a hold of and they sell out quickly. Incredibly, Noble Gold has managed to secure some and they're doing a combo of their own best-selling Trump 2020 Freedom one-ounce silver coin with one of the America the Beautiful coins. This is at a discount of $25. This is a generous offer and an unbeatable value for such special and rare coins. Go to Trump2020.com and use the code MrReagan25 to receive this incredible discount. Go to Trump2020.com and use the code MrReagan25 to secure yours. And honestly, I think that they are very cool. They make cool gifts, and it's just kind of a fun thing to have. Become a numismatist. All right, now back to the video. All right, I, I do apologize for that, but that's how I make money, guys. I, if I'm not doing those ads, I can't produce these videos for you. All right, so without further ado, this is the panel that I was on uh, in Chicago this last month. I don't actually know if I have permission to post it, but I'm doing so anyway. <laughs> Back in January, a 15-year-old boy became the face of hate in America. His dire crime was uh, being filmed standing in front of an elderly Native man with an awkward expression on his face while wearing a hat supporting a duly elected president uh, of the United States. What followed his reprehensible act of looking uncomfortable in public while wearing provocative clothing became an object lesson in journalistic failings, a to the toxicity of our polar polarized public discourse, the dangers of social media narratives, and how easy it has become for people to believe the absolute worst about young men on little to no evidence. Chiming in on this particular controversy and the fallout from it will be lesser known second cousin twice removed of the 1990s flash in the pan sex symbol Rico, editor at notorious libertarian hate site reason.com and vile university of virginia campus gang rape, rape culture skeptic robbie suave 
man who was repeatedly suspended and eventually banned from Twitter for the uh, bad actions of uh, <clears throat> posting images of gay interracial porn to white nationalist accounts. That's fake uh, news. That's fake news. It was, it was because I called them kikes. Oh, my God. Uh, who was booted off Patreon for insulting white nationalists and who is known as Sargoy of Cuckcod by white nationalists the world over. I give you suspected white nationalist Carl Benjamin. A Scotsman whose horrendous abuse of his pets when he used them as foils to mock the Third Reich shocked the world, and whose many tattoos and piercings prove he is a terrible human being who deserves to be persecuted for having a sense of humor, confirmed Nazi Mark Meekin. actor and paid shill who plays the part of a young conservative on YouTube at the behest of the Russian government and the Republican Party, repugnant purveyor of Trumpist propaganda and notorious paid Russiagate denier who uses a pseudonym invoking the second most evil American president ever, Ronald Reagan, Chris Coles. And finally... A self-hating, sex-starved pick-me who trashes other women to get male attention despite being in a happy decade-long relationship, she exploits the rights feminism and feminism alone gave her to promote the agenda that women get back to work in the baby mills and sandwich mines. The woman, the legend, the rape of... Oh, that's me. <laughs> All right, here we are. Okay, so... I think I want to ask Robbie to uh, just briefly describe the... Um, uh, first off, what exactly happened um, in <laughs> at the Lincoln Memorial uh, with those boys? Just a very brief brief rundown for anybody who's been living under a rock. Sure. Um, a, so first, a, a quick clip of this encounter between a group of Catholic high school uh, boys from Kentucky, from Covington School. They're, they're there in red MAGA hats um, in part of the pro-life uh, activism that was going on there. And they, and they, um, and there's a there's a brief clip of them appearing to confront and harass a Native American man, a Native American activist, and one kid in particular is giving him this really cold, hard, creepy stare. Smug, 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 whatever you want to call it. And uh, then it, it is widely circulated on social media. Many uh, high-profile um, mainstream media commenters weighed in to decry the obvious uh, racism on display. This is a, sort of a symbol of Trump's America, et cetera, et cetera. Then when the longer video footage uh, emerged, uh, which I was one of, one of the first people to watch and write an article about it, um, you could see that there was actually two hours of footage. And for, and for over an hour, these boys had actually been berated by a, a, a black... Okay. Uh, a black nationalist uh, cult group uh, called the Black Hebrew uh, Israelites. Uh, I, I live in D.C. I've encountered them before. They shout. Uh, That's uh, right. Uh, racial epithets <laughs> and, uh, and uh, horrible things that white people, black people, gay people, uh, women, everyone. They're crazy, crazy group. And they had been yelling at these boys. And the boys have been doing basically nothing or nothing objectionable in response. Um, they made fun of them. They laughed at them. They, they, they acted perfectly how you would expect them to behave, and there's nothing really to criticize. And then when the Native American man and his entourage showed up, 
they wrongfully sided against the, the, the young men and said that, that they were the aggressors or the bad people in the situation, and then they went to, to confront and de-escalate what was not really a very tense moment uh, by going after the, uh, the, uh, the boys, and Nick Sandman, the kid who had been smugly staring, uh, was, you know, he didn't go up to Native, uh, Nathan Phillips at all. He was just there, and he says he was trying to de-escalate, which makes perfect sense. So, and they were doing cheers before the Native American man even showed up. So it was not as if they started, they began harassing him. Like they were already doing their thing and he invaded their space. So it, 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 it was completely the opposite from how it was initially portrayed. Thankfully, many, uh, many in the media uh, reversed course, apologized for their Russian judgment. Uh, others, uh, fortunately, did not. But uh, that's a quick summary of what happened. All right, excellent. So, um, well, I guess. Carl, you covered this story quite a bit as well, and uh, what, what do you think, really, the, what, what does it say about what we are prepared to believe about young men? Um, well, I don't think that I need to persuade anyone in the room that the left-wing media is prepared to believe the absolute worst about young men, because young men are the oppressor class. White young men. White young men, sorry, yeah. Are the oppressor class of uh, Western civilization. Um, but I think it's the, the Covington thing for me. It was a real. Uh, it was it was one of those moments where it was demonstrably obvious. The mask slipped. The, we're not professionals anymore. We're we're culture warriors. We're activists. We're here to do as much damage to the narrative of the opposing side as we can do. And here's a little piece of evidence that you know we've taken out of context, even though they probably didn't even know they were taking it out of context. And it's something that they could berate children with as a representative of an entire faction, completely unjustly, and it didn't matter. It was, it was like red meat. They were like frothing at the mouth. They were excited that this is the case. And so it's not so much about what it said about the young men, in my opinion. It's more what it says about the sort of the leftist narrative, because that's what the whole thing was feeding into, or they thought, is that we, we have a particular narrative, and this confirms it all. Because if you look at the Covington kids, um, one of the things that struck me is the... Um, I, I'm going to call it like the in-group preference that they had. Like they, they had a very strong community bond. You know, they had their, their college cheers. They had all. The, sorry, I should be looking at the audience. Sorry. Um, they, you know, they had their college cheers. They were all um, self-assured with one another. You know, and so this this is probably what gave uh, Nick Sandman the, the the courage to stand there when this chap was coming up and. In my opinion, trying to intimidate him. I mean, when an old man walks up to a young man and he's, you know, drumming in his face and he's he's coming with presence, I would suggest there's a form of intimidation there. And I find it really interesting that he didn't back down. I think um, I would love to have I'd love to have known what was going through his mind at the time, to be honest. Okay, and uh, Chris, Chris, you chime in, you know, in terms of because you are a conservative, you're very conservative, um, and. Uh, I, I'd like to know uh, exactly, you know, how did you discover the the larger context of this, and and what what were what was going through your head? Well, I, I don't even think that I was aware of what was going on. Sometimes I'm I'm in my own little world, you know, making videos or whatever, until it was pretty obvious that this was like a hoax, right? Uh, so immediately I just thought, okay, I'm not sure what I would have thought had I seen the original short clip video. Uh, I probably would have tried to consider what the other side was maybe, you know, the other potential argument was. But I think that this really um, kind of, whoa, hello. 
we're, we're, we've been lit out, I guess. That's all right. Uh, I think this exposes something that I've been trying to talk about on my channel for a long time, which is America really isn't racist, at least not you know, culturally traditional you know, white America as people think of you know, American culture. It's, I've traveled, oh, okay, we're back. All right. <laughs> uh, I've traveled around quite a bit. I know people from various countries throughout the world. And I can say with a lot of confidence that genuine racism is a, an almost essential part of most cultures. You go around the world and, you know, this, this South American country hates these South American people and these Asian people hate those Asian people and this African tribe hates that African tribe. If you come to America and you, you know, go to any school and they're basically like, racism is bad, racism is evil, don't be a racist. Right? And uh, when I was growing up, I never met a racist. I never met a single racist my whole life growing up. And, but CNN tells us every week that there's all these racists crawling around America, these white supremacists, this terrible, terrible problem. They're so hungry to find a real one, you know, that even in a situation like this, where there's no real evidence that these kids are racist, that they hate Native Americans or whatever, they just jumped, you know, they're just so hungry to, you know, oh, this is it, this is it, this, look at everybody, look, this is the racist that we've been warning you about. These are the people that Trump's been, uh, there's this idea that Trump's rhetoric, I forget what, what, what they say, they, they have this term. Radicalizes right? people. Yeah, they, it radicalizes people, it, uh, it supports this, you know, racist, racist rhetoric, you know, it uh, emboldens, that's what he says. It emboldens the racist. I haven't yet figured out exactly what rhetoric they're talking about or how exactly it emboldens the racists. In my, in my perspective, right, what I see dividing the country is not Trump emboldening racists. It's CNN telling everybody that Trump is emboldening racists. This seems to be the big problem that we have in this country. All right, now, Mark, uh, you've been smeared by the press. Um, and I know you're going to be talking about that uh, later on. So, um, But uh, shared experiences of how, how do you think those young men, you know, because you've been through it uh, in a very, very serious way, uh, can, can you can you share uh, what you think that they were going through, you know, sort of on an emotional level? Well, the, def the difference in my case is I at least offended people. Like, I, 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 I at least actually did something. Like, I made the effort to actually go and do something, but then... And these boys' cases, like, they had uh, blue check marks tweeting out that we should punch them. One guy said that we should shove them into a wood chipper. You know, bear in mind that these are children that he's talking about. Um, people came after them, came after their livelihoods, were harassing their families, were basically wanting to destroy the lives of all these kids because a boy stood there <laughs> and, and didn't do anything. So it, it just showed the true nature of the media. The way that they work is they're now an outrage farm. They know outrage gets clicks, and if there is no outrage, they'll create it. So basically, a little boy stood there and smiled, and they turned him into the face of white supremacy in America and tried to make him look like he was the second reincarnation of Hitler just because he pulled a stupid face because some creep was banging a drum at him. Right? And I just... It did a lot more damage to them than it did to the Covington boys. Because in my case, whenever I was getting smeared by the media and people were trying to say that I was super ultra-mega Hitler because I made my dog lift its paw, 
I was at the stage where I thought, like, I'm over. Like, I'm not going to get a job anywhere. I'm not going to be able to, like, live anywhere. I had to move out of the town I was in. So much stuff happened, and this happened when I was a grown man. So, like, these boys must have been shitting themselves, which is why it's a really good thing that so many people rallied behind them and let them know you're not alone. And uh, people raised a lot of money, and now the boys are going to sue the utter fuck out of everyone that went after them, and good, I hope they fucking win. All right, well, why don't you tell us how you really feel? Um, Robbie, the lawsuits, have you been keeping track? Uh, Yes. Um, So, I mean, I have a slightly different perspective on some of these these issues. I'm a big free speech guy, and I'm not... uh, I'm I'm skeptical of some of the lawsuits. I'm I'm concerned about taking libel and defamation law too far. because obviously what the, the media outlets did was, uh, was bad, um, but they were relying on, I mean, they were misled by the quotes given to them by Nathan Phillips. So he's the one who engaged in the lying and the deception, and then they, they believed what he said, and they were the, to their loss. But um, the, the lawsuit against, uh, I think, against the Washington Post was thrown out. Um, I talked to Eugene Volokh, who's a First Amendment expert, and he kind of thought that it wasn't, uh, there wasn't, it wasn't going to be actionable because you'd have to prove, you know, there's all sorts of things you have to prove, actual malice, that it was a material fact rather than just opinion, you know, whether Nick Sandman is smiling or, or, smirking. or, or smirking, is that's not, that's not a factual, right, that's, that's going to be opinion. So the only thing was going to be whether he was actually blocking Nathan Phillips' uh, pathway. That might have been a factual assertion. But the judge disagreed. So I'm not. Uh, I, I'm always skeptical of using law and lawsuits, etc., to punish people for bad behavior. I think the social shaming uh, of the institutions who made these uh, mistakes is uh, is sufficient. Um, I also think. Uh, I also think the ones who, like the Post and others, they did. You know, they did apologize. They did say we got it wrong. The ones that really got winners are the people who said, well, okay, well, what else can we find that these boys may have done wrong in their lives? Oh, yeah. So there's all that, like, I think it was the, I can't quite remember, it was the New York Daily News or the New York, I think it was the New York Daily News had, had a headline like, well, this won't be good for Nick Sandman's case. You know, six years ago, there was a, someone dressed in a, in a insensitive costume at a basketball game or something at the school, <laughs> as if that would have anything to do with, the, oh, yeah, there goes his, now he's not sympathetic. Someone else six years ago did this. Um, or, and they were, and they were uh, it was a the school they had the, the valedictorian was LGBTQ and had not been allowed to give uh, their speech, which was going to condemn the school for uh, for be, being beholden to Catholic morality. Actually, it was a different Covington school. <laughs> it was school. So uh, there, there was a lot of well, let's try to find something wrong with. So so it's and I, I just I found that so uh, frustrating. Or like the, the the desire to to find a reason to destroy the lives of uh, of, of young people. And I do think you know I do think. Um, they're, they're, I, I'm not. I don't go so far as you said. Like I think there is like plenty of racism in the country, but um, I, I, there was no evidence that these kids specifically were engaged in racial harassment. And when people got it wrong, they went looking for evidence that they were right, even though they knew they weren't. Oh yeah, look at all the white supremacists here. Yeah, yeah. Just, well, I mean, there's there, this is a panel of, of okay. Wait, wait, Carl, you're not 100 percent white, so not 100 percent white. We're, we're a diverse panel, um, Carl. Because uh, what can you can you tell me? Because I think you covered this as well. Um, what the actual uh, costume was at the basketball game? Did you not? Did you cover that? 
um, that they no, found. I don't, I don't recall. Oh, geez. Well, then I'll, I'll fill everybody in. I thought there was some kind of blackface thing, though. Was it was. It was. But it wasn't really blackface. It wasn't yeah. really blackface. Oh. It, they painted yeah, yeah, their right. faces black um, in school spirit, They, the audience members. They also painted their faces blue. On other day- occasions, and painted their faces white on this other is the occasions. School colors, right? Is, yeah. Well, I don't know if it was the school colors, but it was. Um, they j- would just have different theme days. Sure. Okay, we're all going to dress in this color, and some of them put paint on their face and their arms and legs and stuff. And and so it was really just a school spirit thing to make the entire crowd look like a, a huge wall of one color. But uh, uniformity is like Nazism. Oh, you're right. Super fascist. So. Yeah. so. Um, but yeah, so I thought that that was absolutely because on one of these occasions, the the t-shirts and the and the face paint was uh, black and not what you would consider blackface. It was like actually pitch black. Yeah. Um, that 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 was enough to uh, to have these people like just saying, "See, see, we we told you they are racists after all." You know, and one of the things that I want to get at too, because this is a men's conference and it really isn't just a a rehashing of the Covington boys thing, right? There really is, uh, and I know Carl can comment on it, because I do know you talked about it in the past. Uh, there was a survey done in the UK, and they found that among all age groups and all races of people, uh, the group with the worst approval rating in society was young white men. Right, they had the worst approval rating. Pakistani men were above them. Uh, women, of course, were way at the top. But it, it really just seems that uh, you know we're raising boys in a society where we're just completely eager to jump on them, uh, whatever they do, to consider them bad, and we're barraging them with negativity all the time. Um, you know, they're growing up uh, within a with a Greek chorus following them around, telling them that, you know, if they succeed, they're taking a, a deserved success away from a female classmate, and, and no matter how they behave, they're going, going to uh, put their foot the wrong way. Um, they're going to uh, offend somebody or engage in some kind of harmful behavior, right? Uh, that they have to watch their step all the time, and this follows them into uh, college and university, it, it follows them uh, into you know the HR departments of the companies that they they work for, um, and it follows them all their lives. And when you're a if you if you're a Robbie Suave or you know a Chris Coles or a, you know that this narrative ha- has been getting worse and worse and worse over time. If you're already a grown man and you're you know confident in yourself and you, you didn't hear a whole lot of that as you were growing up. I think you're probably inoculated against a lot of it, but if you start hearing this stuff at, uh, as you know, at, in elementary school, um, I think that that really actually puts a huge uh, burden of shame and guilt on our boys. So I think that we need, as as diverse people, right? Nobody sitting on this panel with me is a men's rights activist, um, but I do think that this is something that we should really pay attention to and, and uh, each in our own way, despite our different political affiliations, um, can try, I, and, can try I, and... Can I pick up on a few things you said yeah. there? Cause you, you, you've said some um, really interesting stuff. Uh, I think the, the uh, thing, approval rating... I think um, what it was that I'd been talking about was um, educational attainment. Uh, young and in Britain, it's a very class-based society. Um, so it's not just uh, white men; it's working-class white men. 
So those people who are already disadvantaged are falling even further down and further behind all of the other interest groups of society. Uh, the, only, the only group that was below them were actually the Roma, the gypsies, who actively reject wider society and marry at 13 and things like this. So it's, it's kind of it's understandable why, why their society is not doing particularly well. But young, young white men, uh, working class white men are not. And there was a report in the Times today, actually, saying that now women are the majority of STEM uh, candidates at universities in Britain. So at this point, uh, women, I think, are about 60% of university students as well. So now if, if we are going to go down the road of affirmative action, it has to be that men have affirmative action and men need to have attention paid to them because they are genuinely failing. We've got, the numbers are all in. There's no question of it. And um, going back to the, uh, the, the, the question of racism at the Covington Catholic thing, I always found this really interesting because after the scandal had kind of blown up, a load of other videos that other people had taken on their cell phones came out. And one of them was of the, the, the black Israelites uh, yelling racial slurs at the, at the Covington boys. And the Covington boys were, whoa, that's racist, dude, you know. Um, and then the Native Americans, when they, they came in, it wasn't just, um, um, I can't remember the chap's name. What was that? Nathan, Nathan Phillips. Nathan Phillips. It wasn't just him, was it? There were, there were a couple of other younger Native Americans with him. And one of them was caught on video saying, you Europeans should go home, this is Native American land. Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's a pure blood and soil argument. That's, yeah. that's full-on blood and soil. So it's just like, of all the people who were, who were there, the Covington Catholic boys seem to be the only ones who weren't being racist. <laughs> And yet the media, oh, they've got MAGA hats, they're white, they're Christian, those are the racists. And they're male. And, and well, they're male, yeah. And, and the issue, too, is like the black Hebrew, Hebrew Israelites were um, shouting racial epithets at uh, the Native Americans who were, uh, they were doing their own activist march. <laughs> And uh, the Indigenous yeah. Peoples March, and they They're were telling something like you should be one of us or something. They like were that. telling them that um, that the reason why uh, they suffer and all of that is because God is punishing them for uh, worshiping false gods, and and right, right. Uh, that right. you know you, you have to worship the original, the one and only God, and that's why you're all going to go to hell when you die, and and all kinds of stuff like that, and you're a bunch of heathens, and. And all kinds of really horrible things. So it really was that the Covington boys, who, they had a black classmate with them, and mm-hmm. and these uh, Israelites uh, oh, started yeah, shouting a, racial, racial epithets at him. That's right. Yeah. And uh, calling him an Uncle Tom and a coon mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, and his his schoolmates came around him and said, "Don't worry about that. You know, we got you. You know, you just like don't listen to him." So I mean, it was it really was this wonderful. Um, once you saw the whole thing, it was this wonderful solidarity yeah. um, and, and just a closeness, the in-group uh, closeness of these boys trying to uh, deal with the situation, uh, make sure that none of them uh, were upset, and, and then when they went off and did their school chants to sort of cheer each other up. And right? kind of deflect. Yeah, and so it was, it was really like, I'm looking at this behavior of these boys, and I'm like... I'd be proud of my boys my, if they were in that group. I would be proud of them because they were. There was really nothing that they did wrong. And when you look at how they, how much they were provoked, um, I don't know that all teenage boys would have not uh, sort of 
taken things physical or started, you know, shouting profanities and stuff as well. Yeah, so. the, the, the self-possession of the Covington boys was quite remarkable, actually. The, mm-hmm. the self-confidence with which they were approaching some of, so honestly, some of the worst rhetoric that can be thrown and yeah. uh, deliberate provocations, you know. Uh, they they really actually were a genuine credit to their school. I really and Nick Sandman, actually, they're from another angle. One of his classmates was really getting into it with one of the Indian guys. Mm-hmm. And you can see Nick Sandman turn and go, dumb, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he, he turns back and he just stands. Yeah. Well, and you this know. is another, you know, we expect our society expects perfect behavior from young people um, and gives them no opportunity to fail or make a mistake and then learn from that failure. If they're a Trump on. supporter. Uh, I, I mean, I think all teenagers face, unfortunately, because you can video, because you can be, you know, video recorded what you're doing on your phone and every message you send to your friends has a digital footprint. It's always out there to haunt you. I mean, the things people of my generation and slightly older, uh, the trouble they got into in school and as young people is not is not living out there to come back to haunt them and to ruin their lives. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe they, that that when young the part of the point of high school is to socialize young people into what proper adult behavior is and that of course they're going to get it wrong of course, of course like we can't expect kids to be perfect no no kid is but that when they do something wrong there should be an appropriate like this is explained to you why that was a mistake you know if you get into a fight at school or you cheat on your homework or you, you do something like that you suffer an, an appropriate punishment like you you go to detention or something so you no are, you're not banned from polite society for the rest of your life and that is now, unfortunately, the fate awaiting uh, anyone who, who does something wrong. And I, I think it's, it's or, so or, or does nothing, Or does nothing because he didn't do anything. He just <laughs> stood there. No, I, you make a good point. However, you know, and we were going to disagree about this because I don't think you're as conservative as I am. I'm not. But, but, <laughs> but you have to admit that there is a sort of disproportionate uh, uh, lens on the conservative side. Right? That, do you think the well, press? Well, since Trump, yeah, I think right. really. There, there was a story recently uh, in Philadelphia I covered on one of my shows where, like, something like sixty black kids went, you know, uh, looted this Walgreens. Right? You didn't see this on any of the national news stories. This was a huge story. It's a weird thing that happened. I, th- I think there is a, a bias against uh, uh, in, in mainstream or left of center media, obviously against people who are politically conservative. Perhaps uh, uh, people who are of, a, of the minority disposition they prefer, uh, but, th- but then there's also bias towards. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you're a young black teenager, you're more likely to get arrested for stuff you're doing, even if the media isn't going to cover it the same way. So well, I just think don't this, commit a crime; think, you'll be fine. Well, I think no, 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 no. It's not. That's not. What, well, what are we discussing here? Right? We're discussing uh, some boys who didn't do anything wrong, right. and so, and they weren't fine, right? So, I mean, I think that. I think that, you know, honestly, uh, when we're looking at something like this uh, and the sort of the polarization of social media and the, the polarization that occurs on social media and how quick social media is to pick up what it thinks is going in its favor um, and propagandize it and, and promulgate it uh, in, in, in an instant, right? Um, that, that we're looking at something that actually really does, uh, like Robbie said, have the power to ruin lives. And it isn't just... Um, it isn't just uh, one side alone. I do think that the extreme left uh, is. Ex- I think that they they are more likely to block people who disagree with them on social media. They are more likely uh, to do all of those things, live in the tightest echo chambers. 
Um, and so I think that that is a little bit self-feeding. It's that's what's actually that's where the radicalization is really happening, um, at least in the you know sort of the technologically advanced uh, communications era that we have right now. The, the media has turned politics into a team sport. Um, this is something that I'm really concerned about because, I mean, what the New York Times after Trump's election, they had to apologize that they'd become Hillary Clinton cheerleaders. Uh, the, 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 um, and after the Covington thing, they had to apologize because, again, they'd seen something that they thought played into their narrative and they thought they could make, make headway with it. And this is something we, uh, I see a lot in the British media. Um, they'll, they'll describe a politician in neutral terms if they belong to like the Labour Party. They won't say left-wing politician or Labour MP. They'll say MP. Whereas if it's a conservative, they'll say conservative or right-wing MP. They, 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 it's very subtle, but they do this very regularly to otherize what they consider to be the right wing. You and are I, a right-wing candidate, so well, you I, 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 well, I mean, I'm not going to take your word for it since you're like so far to the right. You're, <laughs> you're more to the right than alt-right. I think, um, I think far right is really code for um, working class. I think it's code for sort of... Un- Britain, un- I no, think, no, it's, yeah. It's uninitiated, you know, not, not someone who's part of the institutions and is allowed, is, is given legitimacy and credibility through this process. No, here, far right because, is just racist. Yeah, I, I appreciate it in this country. Well, yeah. That's the thing. In, in my country, they, they, they use the term far right to mean essentially outside of uh, fringe. Because the, uh, if they thought you were a Nazi, they'd just call you a Nazi. I mean, they're not shy about that. So it's, it's interesting the, the, the sort of linguistic um, definitions and delineations that they make. But there's, there is, I think, I do agree with Chris, that there is a very clear bias from a, a large and activist media that's, I mean, honestly, just always primed to jump. That's the problem. I think it's beautiful because it shows just how few real incidents there is. Yeah. Right? You, you have to have, like, the Smollett case. Or the guy down in Georgia who told the woman that she had 11 or whatever it was, 20 items in the, oh, in the that, checkout yeah. lane. Or, or this yeah. particular Covington incident. I mean, there's all these And then incidents. it turned out he was a Democrat. Yeah, he's a Cuban <laughs> Democrat. A, a Democrat <laughs> of just, color. He's like, I'm not even white. He's white, obviously, but he's Cuban. He's not the, the kind of white that, that you know, everybody on the left hates. Uh, but yeah, it just shows how few real incidents there are. They have to make them up, or they have to find these ones that are, you know, exaggerations or complete BS, and they have to jump on that and make that national news. It sh- these incidents shouldn't be national news. A trivial moment of two people arguing in a supermarket yeah. makes friggin' national see, news. See, see the problem crazy. with it though is it's it's annoying. It's annoying as hell when they do it. But see, every time they do it, they get caught lying yeah. every time. And instead of just saying, okay, we got it wrong and apologizing, they double down. And the more and more people see that, the more and more people turn it's away from the media. Exactly. So it's annoying, but I think we should just let them do it. Of course we should. <laughs> of course it, we in, should. The lo- in the long run. Yeah, it's you know, you're 100% out. right. Yeah, yeah. I'll clap for that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just look at the collateral damage that happens, you know, yeah. you know the damage to people's lives. Um, it's, not, it's not only boys. I do uh, agree with Robbie that, you know, a lot of teenagers, uh, a lot of young people who, you know, who's, whose brains aren't completely matured. I mean, that doesn't really com- complete itself until you're about 25 years old and you, you put out a tweet and get on a plane and by the time you get off the plane, your life is completely ruined. Um, you know, it's it's just absolutely is dangerous out there. And uh, do you have any? Uh, do you are you? What advice do you have, sons? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, um, I know Carl. I do have a son. Yeah. Um, 
what advice are you going to give him to survive this crap? Wow. Um, as, as someone who has made many mistakes in this regard, um, I'm not going to let him have social media until he's uh, probably about 15, 16. And even then, I think back to myself, I'm so glad social media didn't exist when I was 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. Because it, the, ev everything you post on the internet is taken by a politicized media to be a party political broadcast from your particular political alignment. And this is why, with the Covington kids, they were going back through their history and saying, right, what can we find? What can we find? Because everything is part of a political narrative that they structure in order to condemn outright. And notice that the, the condemnation is never, this person has done some good things, but these other bad things are more important, we feel. It's just all bad. They will never report any of the virtues of the people they're reporting on. It's only the vices. Um, so I, I would honestly say for young people, just don't. Mm. Don't get on just social avoid. media. You know, just, it's too dangerous. Don't even read about politics. Yeah. <laughs> just hide. Okay, does, does anybody else on the panel have any advice that they would give their children if they had them or uh, other than that? Never, never tweet. Yeah. <laughs> never tweet. Uh, I mean, I, so I've written a lot about uh, cases, uh, related cases of uh, teen sexting, uh, which results often in criminal charges or sex offender status for young people who are consensually swapping inappropriate photos of themselves. You know, oftentimes it's a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, so technically they're falling in a different age categories, even though they're peers in high school and there's nothing improper or... Or, or, or weird about high school students being like interested in each other romantically. That's very normal and healthy. Uh, and you have, but because these, again, this is an electronic signature. It's something that sticks around. Um, they get in trouble for it, and they're actually it's like criminal pornography charges for having. In some cases, for having a photo of yourself, which gets to like a very fun. I mean, I'm a libertarian, gets to a very fundamental. Do you own your own body? Do you have like is it yours or it belongs to the state, and you're not allowed to to do this kind of thing. I, the, the most insane case I ever covered was uh, a, a so this, this person was a young uh, black teenager and, uh, and he was being prosecuted as an adult because it was in a state where if you were older than 16 you could be prosecuted as an adult uh, for having a picture of himself on his phone, and, but having a picture of a minor. So he was considered a minor from the standpoint of the child pornography statute, but he was considered an adult from the standpoint of the sentencing statute. Uh, but it was himself. himself. I mean, and the child is, porn statute is designed to protect children from right. predatory That's behaviors from crazy. adults. And we're putting this person in, a, in jail. So I, I always try to tell kids, do, you know, don't send any of those uh, kinds of uh, photos, not solely because of the state of the law being so, so totally absurd. Um, I think it's, I think it's harder to be a young person these days. Uh, given all the, the kinds of ways you can entrap yourself into becoming a, a social pariah. And uh, it's, we're becoming a very cruel society in that regard. All right, okay, I'm going to open the uh, floor to questions. I'm going to have people come up to the microphone at the front here if they have anything that they want to ask. We're ready to talk. And because uh, I'm not going to do the Phil Donahue thing right now, so. Thank you, this. Is yeah. it on? Is it on now? Okay, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm curious if you could reflect. I'm listening to this uh, histrionics in the media, and I can't help but wonder um, if society isn't getting to the point where you could scream and be a racist or a misogynist, and is it like, at least you're not a misogynist, but oh my God, you're a racist? I mean, are one of these races to the end of the 
hellfire and brimstone getting louder than another. You mean uh, oppression Olympics? Yes. Intersectionality. That. Yes. Um, I'm hoping, actually, I'm hoping that that because of the sort of the, the um, hierarchy of victimhood and uh, how everybody's jockeying for position, not at the top, but to, uh, for the position at the bottom, the most oppressed, the most marginalized. Um, and they are all competing with each other, that maybe, maybe it will all just self-destruct sometime soon. And, and we'll be all saved from that. I don't know about anybody else. Anyone else? Uh, I don't think it's going to self-destruct. I think, no, I, that, so. I think it thrives at the point of destruction. The whole, the whole thing is, is a self-feeding mechanism. I don't, and it's incredibly well-funded. I don't think it's going anywhere. I actually think this is why we have this, these kinds of incidents, is because there is a hierarchy in the minds of certain people. I would say leftists. You can yell at me. Uh, uh, it's a fair description. They, it's, it's, it's a hierarchy of you know, who's the best and who's the worst, and straight white Christian men are at the very, very bottom. They're the worst. They're the evil ones. And how would you demonize an entire group of people? All of you are the most evil people in the world who are straight white men in this room. If you're gay, you're okay. Yeah, that guy up there is putting his fist uh, yeah, this guy, he's a Trump supporter. He's the absolute worst. You're the devil. Uh, uh, but, 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 but how do you justify that? How do you justify that kind of obvious bigotry, right? Well, you say that they're the racists. You say they're the misogynists. You say they're the you know, homophobes and the... MRAs. And, right. If you, if you cast them as, as the bad guys by saying, you are what we're essentially doing. You're, you're doing what we're essentially doing then it's harder to point back at them and say, well, no, no, actually, you're doing it, right? So this is the strategy, I think. It's, it's if you demonize somebody by being hateful, then you seem like the good guy. They're trying to cast themselves as good by being racist, sexist, uh, you know, whatever. They're, you know, they're being bigots who toward... The, who are they you're afraid? The left. <laughs> anyone, who, anyone who believes the, in that hierarchy. The intersectional. Well, really, anyone who. Yeah, the, yeah, so the identity politics the people. The postmodernists. You know, anybody who believes in that hierarchy, that, you know, the oppressed or intersectionality hierarchy, whatever it is. Okay, I, th- I think that this making broad, broad generalizations. True that broad are generalizations. Similar to the broad generalizations <laughs> you're saying they are ascribing to these kinds of groups. I think it's, I think it's wrong and dangerous to go, wrong, uh, to go around assuming, yes, there are really unreasonably crazy people who would hate you for all those reasons, but it's wrong to assume everyone is that conspiratorially malicious. No, no, see, this, this, this is, no, nobody you. here thinks that I mean every single okay. leftist everywhere. Okay. Nobody, there's this idea on the left that anytime anyone on the right makes a broad generalization, that they mean every single person, and it's like this bigoted thing, right? This is part of what justifies the attack on Yeah, us. I mean, well, I mean, even looking at, uh, and I'm going to bring it up again, <clears throat> um, you know, there was an incident in, in Australia um, just last week where a knife-wielding man stabbed a woman to death and, and uh, then three or four uh, male bystanders managed with a couple of patio chairs and a milk crate yeah, that's to, a crazy video. to I love subdue that. him that's great. and hold him till the police arrived. And one of the things that I'm going to point out, and there's extensive research on this content analysis of media and all of that, to bring it back to a men's issues thing, is the knife-wielding man was described in media as a knife-wielding man, but the men who saved uh, anyone else from being stabbed, um, they were described as members of the public. Um, I'm guessing that they're like G.I. Joe dolls. They don't actually have genitals um, or, or chromosomes. Uh, because they are just gender-neutral members of the public. And so we do have a, an issue with 
bias in the media, and this is not just leftist media, this is all media, um, where we, when a man does something bad, we are willing to name him as a man, but when he does something heroic, um, we, we need to call him something gender neutral, or if he's a victim, uh, 50 trapped minors, you know, trapped underground. Uh, they're all men, but in, in this instance, they don't have gender. So I think that we really need to actually look at, maybe be more aware of these biases, maybe uh, in our daily lives. And you and, may say it's a cultural yeah. problem. Not, I mean, not just it a is. media problem, but a yeah. fully it is. cultural problem. Yeah, America. it is absolutely. Um, I'm next question. All right, so Sargon's heard this question before, but uh, how do we keep a good idea from being overwhelmed by charisma in debate? You can't. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, s- sorry, repeat the question How do you keep a good idea From being overwhelmed by somebody Who's against it, who's charismatic In debate You can't, that's the, the problem with debate Is it's not It's, not, <laughs> it's a good question it, it's, it's not just a It's, it's not a, a well thought out treatise That you're um, proposing it, it is about the way that the ideas are delivered as much as the strength of the ideas themselves. This is why great, you know, brilliant men and potentially women uh, who who, <laughs> who run who maybe run for president will never get anywhere. Right? I mean, you have politicians who are maybe brilliant people, but they're they're just never going to succeed because the other guy is more charismatic. I mean, how do you think Barack Obama got elected? Well, okay, He's but a charismatic it, guy. Well, yeah, and, and on top of that, you're you're looking at uh, we are deep down animals, um, and and we we are on autopilot a lot of the time, and we're emotional creatures and we're social creatures, and so those are the social cues um, that you know it's not so much. Uh, it, during Tom's talk, uh, somebody said, "Well, you know, this testosterone thing that evolved like a hundred thousand years ago, and and what do we need that for now?" and uh, but we still think in many of the same ways and relate to each other in many of the same ways that, as we did 10, 100,000 years ago, a million years ago, 2 million years ago. So I don't think that there's any getting uh, rid of that. One more question, I'm so sorry, and, and we'll try and keep it brief. Okay. Uh, I promise I'm not a skinhead. I'm just really bald. Um, so so uh, if you can entertain me, like I'm going to ask a simple question and then a more complicated question. So if the Covington boys had been Covington girls, do you think we would have seen the same calls for violence? Let's punch them in the face or wood chipper them. And, you know, like what is the point where the left really actually will call for violence against women? And then my more complicated question is um, when I saw Tim Poole covering the uh, this news, uh, basically there was a point where the long footage was released but uh, the media doubled down instead of admitting they were wrong. So it was this point where I was really worried that society no longer has this uh, shared reality. Like we can see the same thing, and one side can see, you know, kids being normal and responsible, and the other side sees kids who need to be thrown in a wood chipper, or else they're gonna throw everyone in a death camp. You know. <laughs> so uh, how do we walk back from that? Oh, geez, I don't. If you aren't able to control the way that other people perceive certain acts, like it's all down to subjectivity, that's the problem. You can speak to them and try and convince them, but a lot of them are complete ideologues and you're never going to convince them. They have a set idea that they want in their head that usually fits their narrative. No amount of evidence you provide them is going to change that. But what's important is a lot of people hopefully will see the conversation you're having with this person, realise that they are a complete maniac and instead listen to you 
That's why I argue with people on Twitter all the time. I'm not trying to convince them. I'm trying to convince the people watching. Listening, yeah. And then when they block you, then then you know that everybody watching saw them block you. I always so. say that people can't agree uh, on the left and the right in America anymore, no matter how long you give them to argue, because, and you're going to hate me for this, but uh, uh, I, I do think that the left is wrong about everything. And the reason that I think that, I do, I'm sorry. I do, I'm sorry. That's what I think. Um, the, re- the reason I think of this is important. It's because it's they're not. We're, look, they can solve problems just like we can uh, on the right. They're not I- idiots, all of them, right? But they're solving the wrong problems, right? They they're solving problems that don't necessarily exist. This is a big problem I have with the left: is they see problems in America that aren't real problems. Oh, women are oppressed, gays are oppressed, you know, uh, you know, white men are oppressors. These are the problems they're trying to solve, and at least I am trying to find problems that really exist, people who are really um, suffering and really in pain. Like, you know, the men's rights activists are a great example of people who are looking at problems that aren't actually being addressed and trying to present them to the world, and a lot of people just don't even listen to that because they're so focused on, well, we got to help out black people, and we got to help out homosexuals, and we got to help out women. They're just so focused on these problems that I think are fictional that they're not actually looking at real problems in the world. So that, that's my take I on think, that. I think it's more about a diagnosis or a misdiagnosis well, that's of, exactly of the problem yeah. because there are, there are problems that affect uh, you know, people of color and there are problems that affect women. Um, and, and all of those things. I just think that there's a... It's the, le- the I, level I, of significance I, of the I, problem. It's I not think. The, 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 so, I, so I think these, these problems do exist and these oppressions do exist, but we should not assign group blame for them. Yeah, so isn't not, group you, you blame, blame, blame like a war crime? group of people for these oppressions, uh, but <laughs> that's not to say that there isn't oppression, would be mine. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree. Uh, that the idea is uh, the idea of group uh, punishment is is a war crime for a reason, and um, that uh, really, uh, in my mind, uh, the sort of what's being taught in uh, grievance studies in in universities, I think that's like sort of the four humors theory of society. Um, it, it really is. It's it's not just a misdiagnosis. It's a completely. Uh, false model of how society works and I'd really like to get um, some of the topics uh, integrated together into a more realistic model and that's really what what I do so um, I, I we have to end it there we are already oh, four minutes late um, ending um, so I will uh, I will uh, thank you all for for listening and thank you guys for uh, up with each other. <laughs> None of you chimped out on each other. That's great. All right, that's it for me. I hope you like this, and I hope you do consider going to the International Conference on Men's Issues next year in Australia. And just remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Good night. Hey. Wonderful to hear you talk. <laughs> <laughs> you could understand him? <laughs> <laughs>